what's going on? Welcome to the Risen Fallen Podcast. Uh, for anybody that hasn't listened before, or uh, if you're a returning listener, regardless, thank you for joining us today. Um, you can obviously expect to hear open and authentic conversations about things like mental health, self-development, and those types of things. Um, today, I'm blessed. I am joined. Uh, James Yaunt. Is it Yaunt or Yunt? Or... Yeah, you got it right the first time, Yaunt. Yaunt, James um, Yaunt. Yeah. We yes, just, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being here. We just connected for those of you listening uh, on Instagram and we've kind of just been exchanging DMs back and forth. Uh, we tried to do a little bit of a zoom call last weekend, but it was just bad connection, but yeah, we've just been chatting back and forth and, uh, I just want to kind of let you have the opportunity before we jump into this conversation to just kind of tell people like, uh, who you are and what you're all about. And, uh, I'll let you start us off, man. Kick it off. All right, man. Uh, well, I guess to sum it up, I'm um, a recovering addict who spent a good part of 25 years uh, either deep in addiction or playing with addiction of drugs and alcohol, gambling, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, like uh, um, I, I was actually having a conversation funny. It's no one gets into the to it without having some fun until it's no longer fun and my life became no longer fun it became um a very very black dark hole that i've worked i take that back that god has given me the tools to dig myself out of um uh sum it up man uh i'm about faith i'm about my family i'm about fellowship and i'm about fitness um those four things have brought me from death's doorsteps to a place of joy and happiness nah, joy joyfulness that i've never experienced in my life um you know i've gone from being a 350 pound 350 plus pound obese tweaker atheist suicidally depressed um anxious anxiety filled human being to a 195 pounds of joy filled Christian. And so there's a lot to digest in that, but, uh, that kind of sums it up in as few words as possible. Right, man. And, um, so yeah, dude, I, I first started, we started linking up through DMS on Instagram and then you sent me that other podcast that you were in, uh, you were featured in and I was listening to it and I was, as I was listening to it, because I listen to tons of podcasts while I work, I was like, man, yeah, I, I, I was like, man, I wish this was longer. I was just like really <laughs> getting into it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have said that, you know, and it's it's crazy. I've not listened to a whole lot of it, um, mainly because I don't want to like. I trust a lot of people who have listened to it. Like oh, you're a professional. This is what you do, or this is what you're, you know, you've done it. And, and so I, I judge your opinion and, uh, and others who have much more experience in, in either being guests or hosting podcasts. And then, and my own immediate family is everyone said, it's just excellent, but I haven't really listened to a whole lot of it because I don't want to tear myself apart. And I know that sounds ridiculous. And uh, I just, I know what I said. I, you know what I mean? And I, I know I, I got the bulk of everything that was spoken, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to waste the energy of critiquing myself. I'd rather just, I will listen to it. I listened to a big bulk of it uh, this weekend, actually uh, with, uh, I was on a, re a retreat with the men from my church and 
they wanted to get my testimony and I felt like this was a, that was like a great place to start, you know, cause it's, it's, <laughs> it was just easier to speak than speaking it again because it's already been spoken so uh, not that i mind sharing but sometimes when uh you're in a room full of people and this they, the spotlight is on you it's like i don't want to sit there and stumble and go i i, I this this that it has a bulk of my story in it so yeah man i appreciate that and i've gotten great feedback on it and i i'm anxious to uh continue to share uh, my story and my experience yeah man and um I don't know if you've listened to. Can you still hear me good? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just checking. My eyes, my getting some lag in my video feed. All good, man. All good. Um, no, I just wanted to, guys. I don't know if you've heard of Doctor Gabor Mate. I just finished one of his books, uh, in the realm of hungry ghosts. He works on the downtown east side here, which is uh, a section of Vancouver that's just plagued with addiction and homelessness. But um, is that a I've been to Vancouver a number of times. Is that like, like East Hastings, like towards yeah. the, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, exactly. I'm familiar with it, brother. <laughs> I, uh, I smoked crack there once. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, and then, uh, this homeless man that I smoked crack with, uh, wanted me to get on the last ferry to Victoria Island to get $10 hookers. And I'm like, bro, uh we're already smoking crack we don't need ten dollar hookers <laughs> yeah yeah man, this that's... was one of the few times in my life i remember saying no to something that i was just like this is obviously a bad idea <laughs> you're like i've got a lied bro and we've already crossed it <laughs> yeah dude I'm, I'm smoking crack with the homeless like dude i'm not going and getting ten dollar hookers on victoria island at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> That's insanity, man. That's oh, that's so another crazy. life. And I mean, I, I never want to uh, glorify my past sins, but if you can't laugh at yourself, like who can you laugh at? You know what I mean? And it's like uh, the he, finding the humor in the darkness makes it a uh, a lot easier to get past the the guilt, right, and the shame. Because when we get deep in addiction, uh, the things that we do especially as we grow past them, man, it can look very shameful. Um, and, and something that I, I, I've tried to explain to somebody or I've tried to explain, and, and this weekend was made very clearly to me. And I, I'm excited to get to share this because it's like, it's a new revelation, right? Um, you're familiar with the song, amazing grace. Everyone, I mean, I'm sure 90% of the, the globe is, um, you know, when we've been blessed with grace and we get these new eyes full of the grace and we haven't had that long between when you can still smell the darkness, right? You can still taste our, our, our past, man. It, you, you start looking through the, your lens of grace and you're like, it's not like I feel the guilt anymore, but it's just like, how and why was I ever that human being? Like I've changed so much. And especially in the last like six months, I mean, in the last two years, the changes have been astronomical, but there's been these really deep, impactful growths as I've, I've gone from a, like a, a, a very focused on physical health walk and then a mental health walk. And then uh, God had a plan of a spiritual walk. Like this is the spirituality part of it was like, uh, very low on my list of things to start getting into once I wanted to get healthy. But God was like, dude, I got a plan for you, brother. And uh, it's mine and not yours. And, and so that's been it. But it's like, man, we, we being able to look through the lenses with grace, with the eyes of grace and going back and looking at some of the things I've did, did in deep in my addiction. Like 
some horrible things like stole jewelry from my wife and went and pawned it so I could get dope or gambling my son's birthday away. Like those are some deep rooted things that like, man, being able to look back at grace and just go, wow, how was I ever that human being? But I, I wasn't me. It was, it was, it was the possession of the drugs. And I think when we get in that deep into that uh, addiction, I think people like to move past it. Part of it is realizing that that wasn't you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, that was a lot of compound of yuck. <laughs> it's like, it's part of the reason why I hate that. that I'm sure you're familiar with it. You've heard people say embrace the suck. I, I just absolutely de- detest that saying because I've worked really hard to escape the suck. And the last thing I ever want to do is hug it and get comfortable with it. I mean, maybe embrace the discomfort is fine, but I don't want to hug the suck. I feel you, man. I feel you. I, um, I was going to ask you, so like for people that maybe, cause I've struggled with a little bit of addictive problems before in the past. Um, I don't think quite to the same degree that you have, but different behavioral addictions, uh, different substance addictions, um, for someone that maybe hasn't even struggled with that, like, how do you kind of deal with, cause I feel like we all resonate with this idea or this feeling of like, fuck, I really regret doing this. I can't believe I was such a piece of shit. I can't believe I really fucked this up. Like, how do you kind of cope with or deal with like some of the mistakes that you've made, like looking back and, you know, dealing with like the shame and the guilt that you felt, like, how do you deal with that now? Um, the way that someone could overcome that, I guess is a better question. I think the, the, the best way to overcome that is, is time and distance between um, those episodes, right? Like as, as we grow and I'll speak from a spiritual standpoint and in my faith, um, I had a really difficult time with it because it's like, especially when there's always going to be echoes and reverberations, right? And you throw a pebble into a still pond, eventually that ripple hits the edges of the pond, uh, and those, and those echoes will last, but it's, um, for me, it was, I, I was having this discussion with a, a friend of mine named Rob Lewis, who's a great mentor, strong Christian. And, uh, I asked him that and he was like, dude, if you believe in a God that's omnipotent and has been able to forgive you, like what makes you better than God and why can't you forgive yourself? And I'm just like, boom, you know what I mean? It's like, without that forgiveness, like if we stay anchored to our past, we're never going to grow past it. And so it's like, dude, I just, I just have to let it go because that's not who I am today. Right. And if we stay focused in today, and if I stay focused in the righteousness and, and in grace and in gratitude, then I'm not worried about what I did yesterday. I'm worried about what I'm doing today. And right now, today I'm here talking to you. And so whatever happened, well, we will share, but that is, doesn't make me who I am. It's who I was. (laughs) You know, and I think that's just it. It's um, if we stay stuck in the shame, if we stay stuck in that guilt, then we're going to repeat those same things or we're never going to allow ourselves to heal. And, you know, my healing started with going to therapy because um, I knew I tried to get sober um, right around the time my son was born when my my wife my ex-wife uh, was or were separated. I don't know where my separated wife and I um when she first got pregnant, I tried to get sober or I was sober off and on for like nine months. Uh, and in this time I was like, okay, I need something deeper, right? I need to get to the root of 
addiction is a is a byproduct of a much deeper deeper issues right and you know what have i been running from you know and i was running from you know anger and anger is a root problem of fear and so i realized that i was just a fearful grown child in some aspects you know like there was a lot of trauma from my father and issues growing up um that i just never allowed myself to heal from i never grew up i never allowed to grow past that and that fear and doubt and insecurities just became an became a a ostrich with its head stuck in the ground you know you can run you can run you can run and and uh when i was a child it was anger and violence um that i that i hid in and then as soon as i got to about the summer going into seventh grade i shoulder tapped some uh people for for some 40s of budweiser in the park because that's what the guys that were four or five years older than me were doing and like i wanted to be a man and and men in my life all drank and did drugs and acted like jerks. So I was like, this is all right. I'm a man now because I'm almost 13. And as soon as I got that first experience of being drunk, I was like, this is awesome, man. Cause I feel good. You know what I mean? And, and so, and then it's not like I was an instant alcoholic, but by the time I was a senior in high school, I was probably drinking four to five days a week, <laughs> you know, and, and to the point of like heavy intoxication. And then, um, the harder drugs came shortly after I graduated high school, and then it was a battle with booze and alcohol for, well, from probably 1998 till uh, 2020. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. It's that you, if you're not willing to heal, and and if you can't let go of the past, you're not going to move forward into the present, and that's what it's about. It's it's about who I am today, not about who I was. Um, obviously I made amends with the people I've hurt um, to the best I can. It, you know, you can only say sorry so many times and I, and I won't say sorry anymore because that sorry is coming from a person who I was, not who I am today. And I hope that the people who are most dear to me in my life, um, my immediate family and my inner circle see the man I am and not the man I was. I love that, man. I, um, there's so much in what you just said that I relate to a lot. The, like the, uh, starting to drink at a young age, started drinking high school. Like I vividly, as you were saying that a, a weird memory that I forgot about just came up into my head of being in grade 12 and being like me and my buddies used to drink at school. And I remember I was so <laughs> drunk one day at school that I had to leave. Like I was at like the second lunch bell rang. I was like, I got to go home. Like I'm too fucked up to be here. And I was like, just, I don't know why I forgot about that memory, but it was suppressed until just now. You just reminded me of it. And I was like, fuck, what a weird spot to be in, man. And fucking at 17 years old, dude, who, who does that? And how, exactly. And not only that, it's, it's like, you know, I have teenage children now and, uh, it's something I stress to my kids. It's like we're only presented with so much opportunity in this life. And the more mistakes we make at a young age, the, the less discipline and consistency we have the, and the more mistakes we make, we whittle those, we whittle those opportunities down and they get harder to recreate as we get older because we're older and we have less time to create opportunity. 
Um, and something I tell my son all the time, specifically my son, because I, you know, and I've told my daughter too, but I, I hammer at home with my son because he's three years old or two years, eight months older. Um, and he, you know, uh, I'm like, dude, the thing with drugs and alcohols are always, always, always going to be there. You can choose to go get drunk and my just specifically in, in my county that I live in, uh, we are in the heart of Oregon wine country. There are 600 plus wine labels, not wineries, but 600 different labels of wine being made. Like there is ample opportunity to do, uh, you know, and not let alone the fact that like you can go now go buy two grams of methamphetamines or heroin or fentanyl or cocaine. And it's completely, you know, you get a ticket here in Oregon, which has just been a devastating um the idea was good, but there was no critical infrastructure to keep this idea. It's it's a mess here because of it, right? Like the the drugs and alcohol are always going to be there. That's always a choice. If it's if it gets bad, if you can't, but opportunity is not always going to knock. And and, and the further we get into a hole, the harder it is to create opportunity. And I think that's just it. It's like I don't know about you, but for me as a young boy, you know, my dad basically abandoned me again from the most critical avant era period in my life from like 14 to 20 I had no contact with my dad and I had no direction like I didn't know what the world had to offer right it's like in my house my stepdad was angry because he hated his job and I knew I didn't want to go work at the steel mill because like why did I why do I want to go work somewhere like where everyone just seems angry and hateful you know um my mom had two my my two little sisters who are a great deal younger than me who I love dearly but my mother was busy with raising a second you know two young girls and she didn't have the time nor the capacity to relate to an angry teenage boy so where did i find solace and, and friends and people to look up to well in a simple world of drugs and alcohol because it's instant gratification and as human beings we are very weak <laughs> And as and as time's gotten on, gone on, I mean, instant gratification is just crammed down our throats from our, what we carry in our pocket every day, in our cell phone to, you know, the foods that we can choose to eat that are just so readily available. Like, you know, it's funny. It's like I, I when I walk to the gym that I go to to go work out, there's a McDonald's that I pass every day, and I get off work and I get to there about right about five o'clock, and every day. At five o'clock, that place is crammed full of people, families. It's just like, do you, how like how much money are you spending to feed your family poison? And I'm not saying it's bad to have it here and there, but when you're doing it like on a multiple time, you know, three or four times a week, like, dude, that stuff is not good for you. And it's like, how much more? How much more beneficial would it be if you were to take that same amount of money, and go buy? two pounds of chicken breast, some vegetables and some rice, or just make the burger at home and like have that bonding moment. Even if it's not around a traditional dinner, dinner table, like me and the kids, my, my kids and I don't necessarily sit around at the dinner table. Like we should, I've tried, you know, it's something that I, I need to, I'd like to implement a little bit more, but we still, I still make a meal. We still get it. And we sit around and on the, in front of the, the TV, on the TV trays and we watch like some bad 90 early 90s sitcom together you know what i mean like and it's it's a it's a bonding opportunity we, we're already as a society especially since the shutdown we've already 
separated ourselves so much from one another. Um, and anymore, it's just like, man, it's that instant gratification. And I think that's why there's so many hurt people and the people who are even more hurt and more separated and more scars. And so the addiction problems are just amplified boom, they've exploded. And I don't care if it's with drugs or alcohol or if it's shopping or it's what we eat. Like, um, I can walk down the street and see people who are struggling with some form of addiction left and right. It's, uh, it is, uh, crazy. Yeah. It's something that you start noticing more, the more you pay attention to it in yourself for sure. Um, the other thing that you said earlier, that fuck man, I'm still thinking about it. I, I literally had to write it down. You can't read my chicken scratch writing, but I wrote down, I understand. I, I wrote down if we stay anchored to where I actually can't even read my own writing. If we stay where we, uh, we stay <laughs> I have that anchored, same problem all the time. If we stay anchored to our past, we won't grow past it. I think that's what you said. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. But man, that's that, what is. that resonates so much with me because um, there's so many times, like that's the one thing I ruminate on all the fucking time is like, I can't believe I said that to this person or I lied at this moment in my life when I should have fucking told the truth or I can't believe I fucking got myself into debt or I was using these drugs or I was, you know, there was so many fucking things where I, I look back at myself and I think, what a piece of shit. And I think now, like when you, when you say that, I'm like, man, I'm keeping myself in that mindset by like always reliving that in my brain. Exactly. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, as as we, if we're constantly believing that, if we're constantly telling ourselves that, we're gonna constantly be reliving that. And I think the thing is, is it's like, um, when we become consciously aware of that, if we pause before we either say that or do that and go, hey, I mean, I, this is what my, the outcome of what my choice used to be. And like, like early on in this, journey um how i kept moving forward was simply I mean, something i guess i should have addressed when you first asked me that question was dude i just did the exact opposite like if i didn't know and i didn't have an example of what i should do in this situation i just did the exact opposite of whatever <laughs> choice i would have made because i already know the outcome of the choices i would have made you know they they led me to a jack leonard smile and being 350 freaking pounds brother <laughs> you know what i mean so it's just like uh that's my advice to people though like when I, I guess i should have said that it's like dude if if the guilt and shame are racking you uh, and you would constantly make the same bonehead decisions, just do the damn exact opposite and see where that gets you because <laughs> it's not, at least you know, it's not, it's not going to take you to that point of failure where you're going, oh, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, did you have like a moment or like a rock bottom or a moment where you're like, fuck, I really need to turn my life around? I know you said that you said you wanted to get sober when your, your, uh, your partner was pregnant and with your son um was that yeah, when that you was turned like, your life around or was there another no moment? no no it got way worse after that dude i thought <laughs> okay. like at that point like i was coming from rock bottom and uh then i tasted real rock bottom and it was uh no i i i just it was weird um and i hadn't something i hadn't really thought about it was something i was um, one of the last podcasts i saw sachin and he was talking about his experience um during covid and like having this these moments of realization having to look at himself in the mirror because 
he, he didn't get to go anywhere. Right. And I was like, Holy cow, man. Like this is boom. It was like one of those bombs went off in my head, like boom idea. And it, and it was in during COVID, like the very first parts of like, uh, towards the end of February, right. Or, or I should say really close to my son's birthday. Cause things shut down here three days after my son's uh, 13th birthday. Um, so my son was born on St. Patrick's day and things shut down here. Like they quit school, I think on the 19th of that March. So like two days after his 13th birthday, everything shut down here. And all of a sudden, like I couldn't hide anymore. You know what I mean? I was so faced with having to be a father. Like, even though we all lived in the house, like I had literally shut myself off from not only my family in the four walls I lived in, but I shut myself off from everyone, my mom, my sisters, my aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, you name it. Like I, I, I was in a really bad place, man. I, there's a point in time that I didn't leave my house for eight months. And I mean, I did not, not even go outside. I didn't leave my four walls for eight months. Uh, I didn't go further than my convenience store, uh, which was less than a mile away. Like I never went into the town to go grocery shopping uh, like for five years. Um, so it was bad. Um, but it was, in that you eating? Moment. Where, how do you survive like that? How are you, how are you sorry? To uh, well, my you. wife would go, uh, well, dude, that's the crazy thing, right? I'm, I hear I am strung out on crystal meth. Um, and I'm now like before. Pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. This was, no, I was, I'm, I was 350 pounds and strung out on meth. Um, but I, all I ate was ice cream, root beer, um, whole milk and nutter butters. That was my diet. <laughs> and I sat. And and there and we, we can get into the, the chunk of that, but so it was during COVID and real the realization like, you know, I don't think I really realized why I decided to make the changes that I did, but I think it was like I was forced to look at those echoes of my lifestyle and my children and in the, the way the rooms, I mean, from everything, the way we were like, I didn't get to escape anymore. I had to face the reality of our life and our, our lifestyle that was directly caused by my afflictions and my demons. Um, and so it was probably like right after the shutdown that I was like, okay, I got to start getting healthy. And I started slowly weaning myself off of the dope. Um, and then it was on my 40th birthday of, you know, in August of 2020. Um, when I, I, I said my first prayer, I mean, I'm like a 350 pound obese tweaker, uh, atheist. Like if you'd have told me two years or two and a half years ago that I'd be going to church every weekend, that I would just come from an amazing, powerful Christ filled, uh, men's retreat at the beach. Like I would have laughed at you and I would have told you how, what, how stupid you are to even believe in God. Um, but I said a prayer and I was just like, God, I, in vain, I, I don't, I won't, for lack of a better term, I'll call it a prayer, but it was just a vain cry out to the heavens. Right. And I'm just like, dude, if you help me get off this, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I feel like this is a really good place to start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's going to get any better, but I'm pretty sure like not smoking a half ounce of meth a week is probably going to be a good place to like start to heal. And then it was uh, one month and two days uh, after my birthday. So September 22nd of 2020, I was looking in the mirror and I was literally like, not only the weight, but I'm like, 
who the hell is this human being? Like, I don't recognize you. Like, there is nothing in the reflection in this mirror that says, you're James Kenneth Yant III. You know what I mean? Like, and so I was just like, all right, fuck this. And I, I smashed my pipes, flushed the rest of my dope down the, the drain. And then I, like 20 minutes later, was like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> but from that moment forward, I, I've, uh, I remained clean. Um, and that would, but that was the, the that was the, uh, I wish that would have been rock bottom, you know what I mean? But then I lost my house. Um, and shortly thereafter I started to heal. And, and I think my, my wife had enough, you know what I mean? I think she was just like, okay, you're getting better. And I don't really want anything to do with you anymore because I'm sick as can be, and I need to heal and I can't give you any more energy. And, uh, God bless, uh, her because lord knows she should have ran away years ago and uh she didn't and because she, she loved me and uh and in the truest sense of the word and me and even now i don't know if we're in love I, I know we're not in love with each other but there's still a deep love uh that we have for one another um because had she had left me uh the suicide attempts i i, I did take they wouldn't have been attempts they would have been they would, I would have ended my life because I really would have had nothing. Um, but I think like the rock bottom really was like when we, we were forced to move from our home, uh, even though I had been clean for probably like six months at that point, uh, the insanity didn't go away. You know, like all, you know, like you can't repress five and a half years of life and then all of a sudden, like, quit doing hard drugs and your chemical imbalance in my brain was out of control. And then it just flooded with emotion, man. It was, it was insane because it's like all of a sudden I see, I was forced to see how failed my marriage was, how destroyed my kids were, the, and the, the shambles of the life I had created. Um, I hadn't worked in like five years. I was, 350, you know, I was 300 plus pounds. I'd started losing a little weight by then. Cause I was like, dude, you're fat and you need to do something about it. Like this isn't healthy. And I don't ever, I would never put anyone down because I understand the struggle, but I will speak for me. I was fat and it was, and it was not healthy and it wasn't good. Um, and it wasn't necessarily genetic. It was purely, it was purely the evil had, uh, I was gluttonous, um, in every aspect of my life. Um, but then it was like, dude, okay, for like a year, I stayed clean somehow. I stayed clean for like a year, but I was like just running around manic, uh, trying to find that like one magic bullet or magic wand solution that was going to fix everything. It was going to get me my house back, get me my cars back, bring my wife back to me, help my kids, uh, help myself repair my financial situation. You know what I mean? And all I did was create more anxiety and more depression. Like, dude, I was, it was not good. And then, um, about a year ago. So like I had probably been clean for about 13 months. Um, I heard a man named, uh, Jason Redmond do a Ted talk. And Jason Redmond is a, do you know who he is? No, I have. I'm not. I know you were telling dude, me about him before, but you should I totally check him, to him out, man. This he the dude is um is as close to a superhuman as 
I've ever met. And uh, we've only talked in Zoom calls like this a few times one-on-one -on -one and a bunch of times in a group setting. Um, but he is somebody I would call at least a, an acquaintance or a friend. But this dude is uh, telling his TED talk. And uh, he was shot in the face uh, in Iraq. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL, obviously, in combat. Um, arm was almost severed. And so I'm hearing him tell me this TED talk. And I'm just like, James, you're a fucking pussy. Like, what are you really complaining about? Here's this man who was physically and mortally wounded sitting up here. Like, and he has, I mean, he took a 308 round to the face, like the dude and he tells a story about how he kept himself alive like he knew that if he made it to the medevac hospital in iraq that he had a 90 90 percent chance of survival and he uh, i'm convinced that god came down and helped him squeeze his heart till he made it there but this guy tells me this whole story of valor and bravery and that you know what and then he and i'm like i almost shut it off because i was like dude what i have nothing in common with this dude but then all of a sudden he gets into his ted talk and he makes it completely relatable and he's like we all we all have these wounds that we carry and then i listen more and i listened more and i'm like holy cow something just resonated with me and from that moment forward like that's really when my healing truly began uh so it's like a year ago um, that's when it truly began because i was like okay I can do this. Like, it might be a lot of work. It's gone through. Um, I certainly can because whatever my issues are, are not nearly as bad as like having my arm blown off and uh, shot in the face. <laughs> and so I, I joined uh, a support group, the Overcome Army, um, which has given me an awesome inner, inner circle of fantastic uh, men and women who have overcome crazy obstacles in their own right um, and, and shown me tools. And, and, it's, and it's like, it helped me. Th that Ted talk is when the, that, that white noise and that, like that manic, like everything needs to be fixed right now, like slowly started to relax. And it still took a while. And there's still moments where I'm like, I still got to fix this like right away. Ah, but it gets getting easier. And, and, and my faith has helped make that easier. But uh, man, that, that was rock bottom. Uh, losing my house and realizing that like I was not only was I moments away from probably dying but I was moments away from like losing my kids and it did cost me my relationship with my wife but man I mean I lost my home my car uh, hot rods all my stuff is still in storage and um had was blessed with a a miracle this weekend uh, that i'm gonna get to keep all my stuff in storage you know what i mean because like uh i don't know man you you don't create that much wreckage without having to pay some sort of consequence for it and there's been some consequences that have uh i'm still dealing with but that's okay um because like i've said man like it's been a lot of work and it uh, and god has shown me that man you stay diligent and you stay disciplined and consistent you will be rewarded it probably won't happen as fast as you want but there is a reward on the other side of of becoming disciplined and diligent and consistent in, in your approach in life yeah man i man i love your story so much because uh of how like i said you you I feel like the same way that you look at uh, Jason Redmond is like the way that other people can look at you because there's people that might listen to this and they might not have been like the 350 pound tweaker, but 
they're listening to your story and be like, Oh, like my problems. And then like this guy had problems, you know, like I think comparison, I, I spoke with uh, a guy named Om Gandhi, who's an endurance runner, like ultra marathon runner. And we, he, we talked a lot about comparison and how we compare our wins, but we also compare our losses to other people and how detrimental that can be. And um, I actually listened to that uh, podcast. I started following him after that because at one point in time, like, I was like, I'm going to do an ultra marathon, but man, I, uh, um, I'm in pretty good shape and I do run, but uh, being 350 pounds and only six foot one, uh, my knees are not in condition to be able to like, as much as I, I, I tried, I like, cause Satch was like, Hey dude, I want to do a hundred mile race with you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I started trying to like run 10 miles a day and I'm like to get going. And I'm like, dude, my knees, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a rich man by any means. Uh, and I still have to do manual labor that an 18 year old boy should be doing and I'm 42. And so, <laughs> and I work out, uh, a lot and, uh, because physical fitness is, uh, I mean, that really helps save my life. And I guess maybe something I should add into it is, uh, I have a big dog, a Presa Canario, which is a Spanish Mastiff. And uh, he was a really big dog because his owner was a really big man. And that dog, I looked at him and it was also one of those things in that, in that moment of COVID going like, dude, you have just ruined everything in your life. Like here's this poor animal that's like can barely get up the freaking steps because he's already like a naturally big dog. And like, you don't exercise him, you overfeed him. Like you <laughs> need to like, and he looked at me like, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, all right, Tank, let's go for a walk. And it was those walks that got this whole, like that. that's literally how this whole thing got started. Like the fact that I'm alive, the fact that I'm I'm mentally and physically and spiritually healthy uh, was because of that four-legged guardian angel and him looking at me like, dude, let's go for this walk. And he'd walk with me and dude, and walking became my, uh, my therapy. That's God. Like that it was like, dude, I was like, I was saying earlier, like I was so crazy in the head. I'm just like, dude, if you're going to be crazy in the head and like destructive mentally, like at least go do something positive physically. So I would literally just like <laughs> people are like, what do you do besides walk? I'm like, I see you everywhere. I'm like, well, that's pretty much what I do right now. Like, you know, I'm too fat to go to work. Like I don't have, like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have, like, I was a chef in a previous life and I didn't want to go back to doing that. And like, outside of that, I don't, I don't really have any longevity or skill set, And so like, uh, you know, I got to do, I, I have to do remedial manual labor. Um, and I was in no condition to do that until I probably got down to about 260 pounds. And that didn't happen until, uh, probably January of last year, I think I hit about 260. So that was about me losing like between 80 to a hundred pounds, um, in January of last year. Uh, and then I was able to, um, I got a good job working as a janitor at the school district. And then like, that was like the most perfect job for me at that moment in time, because I still hadn't quite adjusted to being back into society yet. And I got to work alone and it was just, you know, easy, like work, busy work busy work, busy work, throw my headphones in, listen to podcast and go to work. And then I, I got a lot of steps in doing that too. So, um, about that time I adjusted my diet to like going into a ketogenic diet and I, I started really shedding weight. And then, uh, sometime around the first year I started going back to the gym and then I, and then I, and then I started dropping like 30 pounds a month. Um, but man, it was, it was my dog that really got this ball rolling and, uh, you know, 
once I started losing the weight, um, my confidence started coming back and that allowed me to work on my mental health and then the mental health thing, I really worked on that. And then I, I thought the next step in my progression would be financial uh, stability or, or growth or an opportunity. And then God was like, boom, here's your opportunity, buddy. My son, who I, I've, I, I've never, you know, I grew up in a church that was real hellfire and brimstone uh as a kid you know i grew up in a very rural area so i went to a really small scary rural church that was like dude you're going to hell for everything you did and so like even though i was forced i never listened or paid attention because i was like dude it don't matter you're just going to hell anyway so like what does it matter um but my son probably like six or seven months ago was like hey dad i think i found my spirituality and i'd like to go to church and i'm like okay cool and so we went to church and it was like bam a ton of bricks hit me in the face because i can't even remember what the sermon was but it was like i didn't really want to believe in god at that point in time but the sermon was so good because it resonated so much with about what i needed to hear i'm like cool this was excellent let's go back and so i just kept going and now it's like this is the journey and i feel like you know maybe the next phase will be fine it doesn't really matter like eventually it will all work itself out if you just stay on course Oh, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going, but uh, <laughs> I like I I'm a, I'm a good talker anyway. I appreciate it, man. I like it. It's easy. It's easy to do these with uh, with people that like to talk like you do, man. I um, you might have just touched on what I was about to ask you about, but I was gonna ask you. I wanted to revisit. You talked about like after you had gotten clean, you still had to like have these issues. Like you you uh, lost your home, you lost your relationship, etc. Like. Was there points where you were kind of like, fuck, like, is this even all worth it? Like, should I continue down this path? Because I feel like sometimes we start making the right decisions and we get a bit of progress and then we start like hitting like a bit of like, uh, like we hit like roadblocks and we get thrown curveballs and we're like, fuck, am I even on the right path? Like, is this all worth it? Did you have that experience? Yeah. And I, I just had it like the worst I've experienced in like the two years of of being clean um, about I don't know, between three weeks to a month ago. Um, I, and it just kind of like, it was that whole, uh, you know, not necessarily like, woe is me, but like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, dude, I go to work every day. I pray, I meditate, I exercise. Like I do, I have this amazing morning routine. Like my morning routine is, and we can touch on that, but my morning routine is like, that is my strength, right? Like I'm a firm believer. Like you win the morning, you win the day. Like dude, anybody that wants to talk, if they listen to this and they want to message me and they want to know how, like how I I've managed it. And it's, it's because of my morning routine. Um, but for some reason, like it was a Friday and, and part of it was kind of loneliness. Cause Ben, this journey is lonely. Like I've changed so much. I don't want, not that I feel like I'm better than anybody, but I, there's just certain things I don't want in my life. And I think, you know, that's an important part of, of, of recovery and I don't care what whatever it is you're recovering from what we listen to what we say to ourselves what we speak what we watch what we hear what we ingest food wise what we ingest visually um it says a lot about us and it will create your your universe right if you listen to if you just sit there and tell yourself you're a piece of shit you watch things that remind you that you're a piece of shit and you're gonna act like a piece of shit you hang out with a bunch of people who are pieces of shit you're gonna be a piece of shit but uh 
you know, I'm so tired of being broke. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm just like, uh, my son was having a real difficult time because he, he, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly good sized guy. I'm like, I'm 6'1", 195 pounds. I care that well, but my son's like 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", and he's built like a lumberjack, man. He's a big, solid kid and, and has a lot of potential as a, as a football player, like an American football player, not soccer, um, just in case. Uh, in call it football here, too. Don't worry. Brothers, uh, don't no, worry no, we call it football here, too. It's all good. I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, he hurt his knee, right? And he's depressed and, and upset because, like, you know, he's pretty aware that his football season is over. Um, so that was dragging me down. And some other things were happening. And I'm just like, I just want a break. And I'm like, dude, I, I battled it. And I, but I think that's, it is true. Like, what you said is so true. And uh, to be honest, like, the thing that probably helped keep me sober through that first year was physical fitness because it was so easy as an addict, especially we all love human beings like to be in control, but addicts, we really love to have control. And the simplest thing is that we have control over our, our emotions and our effort, right? Like we can control those two things. I can't control what you do. I can't control what you wear. I can't control what you say. I can't, you know, I, I can't control what comes at me, but I can control what comes in and I can control what goes out. And, uh, I probably used, especially once I really started losing weight and I realized I could run again, I, uh, probably was using, no, not probably. I absolutely was using exercise to run away from my problems, but at least it was healthy. You know what I mean? And so it, it was seeing those transformations. Like once I got down to like 260 pounds and I was into a size 38 again, like I was like, man, that really helped boost my confidence. And so then I really got into like fitness, like I'm really going to do this. And so I was seeing results. And I think it was those results and, and having that outlet, uh, that helped keep it because that was that was my issue one of the issues that i had when i first tried to get sober uh you know i put two nine months i got for a total of 18 months i was stayed sober for nine months drank stayed sober for nine months drank when i was like 25 or 26 somewhere in that ballpark and uh that was what i was like you know it's like oh well, i'm being sober like why isn't everything working out for me like look at what i'm doing but that's not how it works that's just, just not right and it's just like it and just like uh in my walk with christ it's not how it works just because i've decided to like follow christ and, and his principles and teachings doesn't mean my life is going to be good or like instantly perfect like it's good because i have tools and i have a relationship with god that helps me uh get through my day but just just because like, you've made changes and then like, you can't have unreal expectations like the only thing i truly ever expect is that i'm gonna meet resistance i'm gonna have roadblocks <laughs> right and but it's those resistance and roadblocks that let us know we're on the right path and so you just stay the course you know like i like i said before like i already know the outcomes of like if I were to quit here and just think that I, I had arrived, well, then my ego is going to start writing checks that my ass can't cash. And I'm going to end up in a position where it won't happen right away, but it's going to be a slow spiral right back to where I came from. And I don't think I have another bounce back in me. You know what I mean? At 42 years old, like and spending a good 20 years or so in, in, in pretty heavy addiction, like, I don't think I got another bounce back and I don't want to even, I don't want to find out to be honest with you. I don't even want just like, there's not an option. Like I, and, and I, and I approach 
my sobriety that way. And there's, there's, there's things I won't compromise. You know, if there's a decision based, based in front of me and, and I look at that decision and it's going to hurt my relationship with my children. It's going to sever the time that I have with them. If it's going to compromise my physical and mental health. If it's going to compromise my sobriety, if it's going to compromise my connection to God, then I absolutely refuse uh, to do it. Even if it, even if it were something that was like, Hey man, uh, here's a, an opportunity to make a bunch more money, but that money meant that I didn't get to spend time with my kids. It didn't mean meant that I didn't get to go to the gym and do the things that helped keep me healthy and present and the best version of me. Then I, I will say no, because there, those are the things that have helped keep me sober and clean and moving forward, even though sometimes it's not as fast as I like. Um, like I said earlier, there's a lot of reward um, in discipline and consistency. It's not instant. It's a, it's a slow reward. But man, when I've felt that reward, if somebody would have told me like 20 years ago when I was 15 or 16, that like, dude, you can get a high like you'll never experience in your life from doing things right and being disciplined. I'd have been like, sweet, bro. Let's find out. Let me feel it. Cause I'll tell you what, like the rewards that I've gotten when the, the, these moments of like, whoa, like what I think most people would call leveling up is like, dude, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. And I've pretty much done everything under the sun. <laughs> you know what I mean? As far as drugs and alcohol go, like I'm pretty sure I've done them all or at least enough of them to know that like, I know, you know? So I think that's, I think the, it's the exercise and it was the fitness, like, finding a new reward system that like that helped get me through that first year uh because i you know i've it's funny that you say that because i've often been i've thought about that often lately like like you know and because of my faith i was like that was just god guiding me because you know honestly like even in the situation i'm in now i think most people would look at my life like dude i live in a two-bedroom single-wide trailer um, with more people that can fit in there i don't have a room i sleep on a cot and an air mattress uh, but i have a sense of joy and and contentment and peace of mind that i've never experienced in my 42 years of life like my anxiety is lower my i'm my anger is pretty much gone like like things that have plagued me for as long as I like have real conscious memory or like at least my own memories you know what I mean like those chains are, are, are breaking and if they haven't break they're on their last link and uh it's it's um, it, there's a lot of uh when you can start finding happiness and suffering and and in loss and you can see the beauty of the darkness that you've come from, man, there's a lot of power in that, like tons of power. Like it's empowering. Uh, and I think like uh, in this journey, I, I've got hip or kind of start like learning about stoicism, like the philosophy of stoicism. It talks about that a lot in stoicism, like, you know, removing the comforts and pleasures that you have in life and see how you can adapt to them. Like, you know, like I'm not, saying like anyone should just run out and get rid of all their stuff and go be a hobo on the street but like dude try taking a cold shower like like a fully cold shower twice a week you know what i mean like because then you have a greater appreciation for the comforts that we do have and those of us that live in the western world like we're even as broke as i am like uh i'm living vastly better than a huge 
massive population of this world. And uh, we take so much for granted here because we have so much excess. And the thing was losing all that excess is where I was able to find like real lasting joy. And I, and I try not to use the word happiness because happiness and nice are like fleeting and they're not necessarily real like joyful and kindness those are like those are lasting experiences and they're and they're true genuine expressions of my soul um we're nice you know i don't know but that, that that's just that's kind of how i that's kind of how i've managed to stay sober it was like exercise and it becoming probably sort of an addiction at first but that but being able to have something that i can control man and i could control what i ate and i control my effort in changing that and so uh, and i was seeing results and those results kept me confident and had i not have been doing that had i just been like okay you're going to be fat for the rest of your life i highly 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 doubt i would have made it through that first year without at least drinking my face off or and you know um, and that's why, you know, that's, but that's a big reason why I choose not to drink. I don't know if I'm necessarily a dr alcoholic anymore, but it's like, man, if I drink, I already know I'm going to start making compromised decisions because it's going to compromise my values. And if I'm compromising my values and I decide to do maybe not meth, but I do some cocaine or I go and have one night stands, like I'm going to start compromising those values. Um, then what's going to stop me from compromising, like, going down a deeper compromisation because I have no willpower when I'm drunk. Like, dude, you like James, let's go get, a, you know, go do something Steve. You bet. No problem. Like that's just how I've always operated. So I, so I know that to be true. Um, but I, I honestly have to say it's definitely been the, it was the exercise and physical fitness and then, and then adding diet uh, that kept me sober. Uh, like I said, I don't think it would have happened without it. Yeah, man. I, I feel the exact same way. I, I find that um, fitness and kind of discipline. I am also a big fan of Stoic philosophy. Like uh, if you listen to this podcast, you hear me talk about it all the time. It's it engulfs a lot yeah. of the books I read, um, a lot a lot of the YouTube channels that I watch, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, and uh, I, I love that that kind of stuff as well. Um, and I want to jump into the whole fitness stuff. I want to kind of get into that as well. But I wanted to ask you first, because I don't know if you struggle with this. Uh, this was one of the things like I know when I started um, kind of dealing with my addiction, I struggled a lot because people would ask me, you know, what's your DOC? What's your drug of choice? And I, I like kind of always joke with people. I'm like, whatever is in front of me. Like that was pretty much where I was at. Like I would just use whatever was in front of me. I would, I used to joke. I'd be like, put something in front of me. I'll delete it. Like I'll just ingest whatever you put in front of me. And that's how I was yeah. for a long time. And um, I kind of bounced from like substance to substance with what I was using, whether it was like booze or drugs, like weed, harder stuff. Like um, I never got to meth, thankfully. Like I think I might've done yeah, it once by accident. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's, that's my, that was my experience with heroin. I like, I actually didn't like did it once on, uh, well, someone told me it was uh, opium and then I smoked them. Like, this is not opium. And uh, I never liked like the depressant high, uh, mm -hmm. you know, speed became my, it, 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 this is going to sound really, really uh, <laughs> booze was always my drug of choice. Uh, whiskey man like i love you know, give me a bottle of 
Irish whiskey and some ice cubes and, and, and a pint glass. And I'm a, I'm a happy human being. Like I, I drank a lot of whiskey, like, and that was my drug of choice, but, um, Ray, hold up. Let me, let me finish ended. what I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Okay. Um, sorry. No, no, you're all good. You're all good. I was going to ask you, um, like I, I kind of was like, a like a substitution guy. Like I kept like jumping from substance to substance, like kind of substituting my addictions. You kind of touched on this with fitness, but did you deal with that at all? Like obviously you, maybe you were just about to get into it because alcohol was your, your original addiction. Yeah, I, I definitely was like, dude, I was a, a, a dumpster. You know what I mean? I do what I do. I had spells where I loved psychedelics. I mean, I smoked pot every day of my life for as long as I can remember. I mean, I honestly, even in my sobriety and cleanliness, I still, like, after I, I, I was taking some antidepressants when I was doing therapy and then they started making me weird and I, I started using edibles um, in the evenings to help calm my anxiety so I could sleep. Um, I, I haven't used that in a long time, but I was still, I mean, so I still were using cannabis in some form for the for quite a while through through this uh new adventure so pot was always on the table um cocaine and and whiskey were were always my drugs of choice um and then i had done meth here and there for maybe like a year at one point in time and then did it again for maybe like a year and a half but it was this last time um there's a some things that were happening uh, mainly my dad getting sick from cancer and some other stuff that started happening in my life uh where um, when you're an addict and an alcoholic, uh, it, that's your escapism, right? That's what we do to cope with, uh, whatever the situation is. Um, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, but I was like, you know, you can't drink right now because if you start drinking, you're going to be angry and abusive. So I'm like, I know what's a good idea. The guy I work with is doing meth. So I'll just do meth because I'll be <laughs> able to function <laughs> and no one will know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this is like stupid. <laughs> like, like, dude, like, whatever you got to do to convince yourself to um, justify your actions, I guess. Uh, so that's being no. But I was that same way. Like, I would bounce from here to here to here. But I think, like, honestly, it was always it was always alcohol for me because, uh, man, like pot. I, I, I maybe early on when I was a teenager, pot was like a way to escape from my pains pot just became like smoking, you know, like it, it never really was like, I felt like it altered who I was. It may, it helped me relax and put a smile on my face, but it was always probably booze and then either cocaine or speed for me. Uh, but it, you know, the booze was, Oh, I was always a guarantee. You know what I mean? Like it was always going to make me feel better. Gonna put a smile on my face. You know, I used to call it a, a, a $25 vacation in a bottle, right? Like I go out and buy a fifth of whiskey and uh, I'm going to get to have a break from whatever it was I was running from. And so, but yeah, man, there was a point in time in my life, whatever was on the table, I was going to do it because, you know, when you start experimenting with everything under the sun, like it just didn't matter absolutely hold on i gotta i gotta run to the washroom really quick i gotta pause i gotta pee i've been no drinking worries, a lot of water but yeah. i want to keep i want to keep talking Good. give me like one minute not a problem okay oh i'm back we're back awesome I'm, awesome sorry, sorry man i just i no had worries, to get rid man. of that so i could keep focusing but um yeah, yeah. dude i understand man. especially as you get older it gets to be much more difficult to hold up for very long <laughs> as i've found <laughs> Yeah, I've been drinking a lot of water today, man. A lot of coffee too, but um, 
yeah dude i wanted to um jump into the the whole idea of like kind of recovery and discipline and fitness and kind of how that that all gets started because i know like when i first started trying to you know work out like i got into bodybuilding i always grew up playing sports um and then i kind of when i stopped smoking cigarettes i was like okay i need to get my cardio back i need to get my breathing back my respiratory system back so i tried running for the first time and uh, i ran to the end of my parents block because i was still living at home and i like literally i threw up i was like getting sick from running like i was like getting cold sweats and <laughs> like i was so out of shape man because i was smoking so much that it was just like my lungs were just like crying like what the fuck are you doing like how did you kind of go from like this 350 pound tweaker self-described 350 pound tweaker to like you're jack now man like 195 61 like that's that's pretty fucking good stats man like how did this dude, all happen? and i'm down uh dude it's it was like uh it was crazy and, and like i don't know how like uh, the 350 pounds is an estimate i could have been bigger um i i didn't like i wore like i don't know if you ever watched the simpsons but there's a, this episode episode where homer like tries to make himself so fat that he can collect ssi like i didn't get to the point where i was just walking around in a moo, but i was at the point where i was wearing like oh man so for those of you listening or watching this uh my internet just crapped out and we got, I lost James for a bit, but um, I think I fixed it now. We're going to try and finish up this, uh, this interview. Cause I am running out of time. That, that kind of threw a monkey wrench yeah, in the I, plans, but how much, how much time yeah, do you, got? you got a bit more time? Probably like 20 to 30 more minutes. Something like that. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah, going to say, I, I, I've been away up. from home all weekend and I, I yeah. And, uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Let's get this wrapped up. So I think we were talking about how my fitness journey and, uh, how I've managed to lose all this weight. So like I was saying, um, I knew I was bigger and I, I shared that picture with you or I, I'm, I'm well over, I'm 300, at least 350 pounds. Um, uh, so it was right. It was July 4th weekend. I was staying down at the beach and I was like, I knew I had been losing weight at this point. I had been walking very regularly, probably putting in about 4,000 steps a day. So, uh, for a few months at this point, but like, you gotta understand like 4,000 steps a day at that point was like, that was a huge accomplishment because when it started out, when I first started out, like 600 steps going up the hill and back, like I had a, I struggled going up a hill and the hill was only two blocks long. I mean, it's fairly steep, but like, dude, I was, I was in bad shape. Um, but it was like, okay, I'm like, I could put a pair of Levi's on again. I bought a pair of 44s. Um, which is huge because uh, I'm down to probably like a 34 or 32 at this point. I could probably squeeze myself into a 32 if I really wanted to like look how skinny I am, but uh, because of how big I was like, and I'm in, I'm in the best shape of my life, but I carry a lot of extra skin and, and, it, and sometimes that really bugs me because it's like, um, just like my teeth, you know, I don't know if you can see, I'm missing a lot of teeth, like, you know, from fighting and from meth, like uh, I'm missing some teeth. And so it, sometimes it, it, that can be a really, rack on my uh on my it's hard to move past everything when there's a constant scar you know what i mean and, and reminders of like what was but it's like dude i'll take the shape that i'm in and carrying a bunch of extra skin and maybe the, the fact that it, you know out of my own vainness right like uh i'm 
I have underneath all that skin, there's, and it's not fat. It's just extra skin. There's a six pack and I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, but it started with like, okay, I stepped on a scale for the first time the weekend of July 4th and it was 322 pounds. And I'm like, I was not, I was hoping it'd be like, you know, that was about 20 more pounds than I was hoping for. And I'm like, okay, do you really got to do something about this? And so I started really upping my steps. I was staying with my, uh, my mom's former boyfriend, uh, on the Oregon coast. And, uh, dude, I just was like, all right, I got out, started getting up early in the morning and I would, uh, go for a four mile walk. And then I would come back and hang out and I started really adjusting what I ate, not necessarily like in a good way, but I, I would really control my portion control. Cause I'm like, okay, you need to start doing this. And that works really well for quite a while. And I, I would probably start putting in like six and it was hard work. Cause I was still a 320 pound man. I started putting in like six to eight miles a day. And then I started really seeing some weight loss um, by about a year ago. This time I was probably down, below right around 300 pound mark like so i probably lost another 30 pounds uh between july and the end of october and so i really started noticing that like you know a double extra large kind of was fitting better um but i'm still a, a pretty big dude and uh i'm like okay uh try jogging so i would walk a block and then i would jog a block and then uh i did that for quite a while so i lose a little bit more weight and i'm like all right you know um I had tried losing weight previous and I had a lot of success with a ketogenic diet. And so right around Thanksgiving time, I decided like, okay, I'm going to go into a keto diet. And then I really started losing weight. And then the first of the year I, I was comfortable enough at being about 260 pounds, like, okay, let's get yourself in the gym. And I was like two, they like say that I got a personal trainer for a couple of weeks. Cause it had been a long time since I, I had worked out and like, I need, I need some direction. So they weighed me and I was like 270 pounds and I'm like, okay, and uh and from there it would became you know i stayed in ketosis doing a keto keto diet and i was losing 30 pounds a month and so from from january to my you know march of this year i, I think by march i was down to like 240 and then from there man i've like I've just really focused in on uh eating extremely clean and healthy although this weekend being away with a bunch of you know and the people who don't follow the same diet plan I did, I, I, I ate what was there. And it, there's a, a sense of guilt around that because it's like, dude, you know, uh, my own issues, I guess, of, um, you know, not like I'm going to just like eat one weekend badly and I'm going to put 150 freaking pounds back on, <laughs> you know, but there's like a, like, I, I feel like I've been given a, re God has given me a recipe of success. And if I, I deviate from that, then like, you know, don't do that. Um, but man, it's like, and now I, now I pretty much I'll do cardio on the weekends. Um, I try to run still, but usually on the treadmill because my ankles and knees have been bugging me. I do a lot of hiking on the weekends. Like I'll do a lot, like probably, I don't know. I hike enough on the weekends that I burn a thousand active calories. So that's probably about 10 miles a day, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, not this weekend so much because uh, I'm getting to spend some time with you. And then I was at the beach, but even at the beach, I still did my morning routine and that, that my morning routine is, uh, is huge for me. Um, but man, it's, uh, but now it's like, man, I eat, I eat really clean. I, I eat it about 2,700 calories a day. I burn about 3,100 act, you know, active and, uh, with my BMR. 
Um, and so I'm down to like 195 float right between that 195, 199. I went from the first time I took my body fat, um, I was like 28% body fat and I'm down below 14% right now. So it's been a, it's been a radical transformation. And I think what I really started liking about it is I started seeing, like, like I said, it's been great for my mental health and my self-confidence. And like, at first I'm just like, I want to get, I want to get down to 215. That was my goal. And then once I got to about 220, 215, and now it's just like, I just want to see how far I can push it. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to like, where, where can it get? Like how, how strong, how healthy can I get? Because I enjoy it. It's, it's, uh, I think it's easy as a former addict to get caught up in routine and, and especially if you start having a successful routine because really addiction and routine are are sort of like um, conditioning and discipline right like conditioning is sort of discipline's uh ugly cousin or you know something along those lines but it's been huge man like i i, I am a i love like that you guys do those uh, mental health walks man like i've to, 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 I like I really want to come up and do that because I think there is a lot of healing in motion like people are like at the at this retreat this weekend they're like oh did you go out and run like you do that for exercise I'm like no man I don't do that that's not my that is not my go-to exercise it's my exercise for mental health because I guess for me it's like the running or the walking or the hiking it's a way for me to kind of channel in my thoughts if that makes sense like I can really focus in on one thought because I don't I'm pretty 80 like squirrel <laughs> you know like I'll bounce around with a lot of thought, thought but when I'm in motion and when I'm moving um I can kind of like if I get distracted from a thought like a thought I can just focus myself back in and it's the same way with my meditation it's like I can just kind of slowly focus myself back in on a key thought that I need to either work through or I need to expound on uh, and journaling is another big part of that but uh man I highly highly I can't encourage anybody enough to if you want to make changes man start first of all start small but the great place and the best place to start is with your physical health and by physical health i mean what we eat how often we like how long we sleep and the amount of effort we put into exercise and i don't care if it's just walking or five push-ups a day like if you can only walk around the block and that's the condition you're in you walk around the block until you can walk two blocks <laughs> because without a good foundation and physical health i feel like you're never going to get to that next plateau of mental health and you're not going to get to personal relationships and you're not going to make it into spiritual realm and uh you're not going to make it into the professor the professional realm without having a strong foundation in, in in physical health because our physical health reflects so much of who we are and what we are um i think it's it's, it's so important and I think it it gets it gets a lot of attention, but it doesn't get the attention that it truly deserves. And especially when it comes to sleeping and and eating, are so vital to being healthy. Yeah, I absolutely agree, man. That's my biggest thing. Like, I, I'm glad that you brought up the walks that we do, the hikes that we do, and stuff like that. Because like, there's so many times where we'll be on like a group hike, and I've talked about this with the group as well, where it's like we'll be sitting like we'll be like hiking through the forest or just walking through like kind of like a nature walk and you'll kind of look and you'll see like people kind of break off into like groups of like two or three and then they're having like you like uh, there's a lot of times where i'll just be kind of like quiet and listening in 
And there's people that are like having the deepest fucking conversations with people that they've literally just met. And you're like, man, there is something so therapeutic of being able to just like move. And I feel like a lot of us like sometimes can't process our thoughts until we're moving. Like that's why working out can be so therapeutic then. Exactly. Exactly. I actually mentioned that to some fellows this weekend at this retreat. I'm just like, um, and there's also like, especially with men and women, uh, it's much easier to communicate when we're side by side when we're actually not like having true conversation. I'm not saying like necessarily understanding the body language and, and seeing all that, but like having like those deep conversations you said, uh, when we don't have to look at the other person, when we don't have to see their reaction to like maybe some fucked up shit that we say, it's a lot easier when we're side to side. And, and like you said, when we're in motion, uh, we're also pulling in a lot more oxygen and we're oxygenating our blood and that blood is, you know, getting to our heads. So we're able to think a little bit more clearly. And I think, uh, I think you're, you, you nailed it, man. There is a lot of, there is a lot of healing, especially when we're in the presence of nature and, and creation, man, we are, we are uh, really present then. And the, you know, we, we don't have the TV, we don't have music. We don't have, you know, especially if you go somewhere where you don't have cell phone service, like then you, you know, you know, people are going dun, 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 on their phone and checking their Instagram and checking their Facebook or Twitter or, you know, stock exchange, whatever, you know, it's like, then you, we really are able to start focusing in on uh, why you're there. And I think, dude, I think those walks are freaking awesome. And I think you definitely got to keep doing that because it's a, it's a powerful tool to help people. And then it's something that people can just easily do themselves. You know what I mean? And it's so therapeutic without having to um, go see a therapist, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can kill two birds with one stone. You can make yourself physically healthy and mentally healthy. And that's exactly why I started walking and, and, or, and then running and then into the gym was just, just that. It's like, dude, if I'm going to be crazy in my head, then, and I'm going to tear myself apart, at least let me do something healthy for my physical self and, and I'll get to the mental self when it presents itself. Yeah, I 100% agree, man. Um, well, in the essence of time and respect out of your schedule, man, I'll let you get back to your life, and I appreciate All right, brother, man. I appreciate so much your time, too, man, and I, I look forward to uh, getting to know you better and continually sharing. And, like, please, uh, you never feel ashamed to reach out if you're struggling with something. And, and same goes for anybody that listens to this. Like, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Um, you know, a, a big part of this journey for me, if I can close, is that – I never want anyone to feel alone and you don't have to know me. You don't even have to like me you know? and you don't even have to have expect a response back. Sometimes just communicating and saying, Hey, you, I'm really fucked up. And this is where I'm at is all that needs to be said. Like I did that for life. You know, some of my mentors in my life, I would say that I would DM them or send them a voicemail and be like, I don't really need you to respond. If you do, that's great. I just need to communicate this to another human being so I can let go of it. And, and I don't have to do that so much now because I, I've learned the tools from the people I asked that from, you know, and, and, and most of the time I'm pretty good at, uh, with prayer and my contact with God to get through stuff. But still, sometimes I'm just like, hey, I need to vent this because if I don't vent this, um, I'm going to hang on to it. And if I start hanging on to it, then it's going to get me to the point of anxiousness or worry. And once I get to that point, then I know that that leads to me into 
a depressive state because I've been through a couple of really massive depressive states in my life. The last one uh, literally almost cost me my life. But, uh, dude, I, I humbly and graciously accept uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you today. And thank you for your time and energy into making this happen, brother. Dude, I, I appreciate it a lot, man. I, I really do because I like your patience, man. I appreciate that when, when my connection dropped. But I also love the, the way that you explain your story in such a relatable way and such a kind of an inspirational way as well, man. You're definitely somebody I like to chat with a lot, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. I think... I think that's the cool thing about it is it's like uh, I often tell people my goal is to just be the un the unlikely hero of my own story. Um, I think if anybody who really has known me for a long period of time, I don't think anybody would anticipate me being where I am today um, because I, I, I was the last person that anybody thought would would change or be, would have the discipline to change. And um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> Oh yeah, man. I usually get people that kind of give like a little bit of an inspiration or a mess, uh, like a motivational message uh, at the end of the episode, but you've kind of just sprinkled it in throughout the entire thing, man. I, I love it, man. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Man. Have a great afternoon and, and into your evening. Yeah, we'll talk you soon. as well, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You too. Bye.